Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building its Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's the first of its kind, a community of 110 homes for the foundation's program recipients. So together, families can heal. So together, families can help one another. A special place where families know that their neighbors understand and care. Make the Do Good Village the first of many. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. And welcome back to another edition of the High Low Sports Podcast. It's DJ joined by Kelsey. And today we're going to move forward by going back in time a little bit by looking at some of our older episodes. Instead of doing rankings and comparisons, we're going to do a little bit of recap because it's been a busy last couple days in sports, right, Kelsey? Oh, man, it's been crazy. They just released college football rankings. Uh, basketball started back up. Crazy boxing this last weekend. It may have been charity, but there was nothing charity about some of these fights. It was pretty dirty, if you ask me, but we got a lot to get to, and I think we should start on the gridiron. It sounds good to me. You know, they did, I, you know, I mentioned it. They just released the college football rankings. Alabama, of course, number one. Mandatory. And we'll get to that one later. Uh, number two, kind of the surprise of the season, Notre Dame sitting at 9-0. and Big win on the record against Clemson, who is, of course, sitting at number three. Without their starting quarterback, that win, just throwing it out there. I mean, Notre Notre Dame's been nice, but we've seen this story before, and I don't even think this is the best Notre Dame team we've seen in the last handful of years. It's a good one, obviously. Don't get me wrong, but 
There's there's not an asterisk next to it, but there's a well in parentheses. Yeah, that is very true. I mean, you, you you had a great game out of Ian Book against Clemson, but without Trevor Lawrence, you didn't really get to see the matchup you were really hoping for. Um, and we'll see that again later on down the road. It wouldn't surprise me if this stays the way it is. We still have the ACC championship game to come. So don't forget that Notre Dame is playing an ACC schedule, so they are part of the ACC championship game this year. That'll be a doozy. I hope we get that. That'll yeah. be, that's what we look forward to with these conference playoffs in every conference. Exactly. And then rounding out the top four, you're sitting there looking at good old Ohio State University. They're kind of the NFC East of this equation. With their, you got 8 8-1-4-0, and just got a game canceled because your coach has COVID. Yikes. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. You know, they're not going to be hanging. I don't think they're going to be hanging 100 on, on Michigan without Ryan Day, but. Yeah, they'll get 75. Yeah, exactly. Uh, some surprising ones in here, though. Uh, don't forget don't, don't forget about a sneaky Texas A&M team, 6-1. and one. Or the uh, sneaky Florida team, 7-1. Yeah. Sneaky I mean, Florida, 7-1, and one, set up to play Alabama. We and, sucked. Well, there's usually like five SEC teams in the top seven, but these aren't really the two at 6 and 7 we expect to come into the season that you see normally. Exactly. And then here's one, number seven, Cincinnati, 8-0, undefeated Cincinnati. Who, who, when's the last time we saw an undefeated Bearcats team? Does Travis Kelsey play for them again? Like, <laughs> is he playing quarterback and we just don't know about it yet? Exactly. Uh, and then, you know, another SEC team, Georgia, 6-2. Literally only there because in the SEC in Georgia. Yeah. They have no business being up that high. They're waiting for Florida to fall, and, well, we might get it, but I doubt it. Uh, and then another surprise, and this one's a really kind of a record-setting surprise, Iowa State, number 9, 7-2. Basically, they have assured themselves – it takes some weird, dramatic things happening, like Kansas beating Texas, among one of the thousands of scenarios. But they're all but locked in to be in the in the Big Twelve championship for the first time in history. Not Oklahoma, not Texas, not Iowa State. That's yeah, surprising. You wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought about it. It's interesting because they were projected to be third coming into the third in the Big Twelve, and they had I think the second most experienced quarterback, if not the most experienced, in third year Brock Purdy. Their running back, Brees Hall, has been a phenomenon. I mean, averaging 100-plus yards a game, has one game sub-100. They they're a team to be kind of reckoned with. I mean, they lost some early ones they shouldn't have. They lost to Oklahoma State in a chubba-hubba versus Brees Hall shootout. But they're a team to be looking out for. I mean, if they can win the Big 12, who knows? I mean, we've seen Oklahoma get in there with one loss when they shouldn't be in there. Maybe this year Iowa State sneaks in, depending on how the rest of the way falls. And Well, yeah, speaking, speaking of a team trying to sneak in, Miami – Another ACC team, Seven. one loss, only loss to Clemson. Derek King out here balling in Miami. Coral Gables is looking like a new home for him. I, I don't know what to say about him. Miami, we didn't really expect much coming out. Come, Derek King coming in this season, but he is playing. I won't say outstanding, but he's playing above average. Yeah, so let's let's chill back with the outstanding. Like he's playing <laughs> solid. He's playing nice. He's playing good for a seven and one team. And who would have thought the ACC a couple years ago was Clemson as a cakewalk? They don't even have to play anybody now that. Alabama hasn't played anybody in comparison. Yeah, I mean, the three teams Alabama have played, the three best teams in Texas A&M, Georgia, Auburn, they beat them each by 17-plus points, which we'll get to talking about the Iron Bowl, I'm sure, a little later. I don't know if I can hold my tongue on that one. The tweet over Texas A&M was a good one, seeing how Texas A&M has played out, so I won't completely trash Alabama's schedule on that one. But comparatively, you look at the ACC and the SEC, it's like, huh, which one is better this year? There's actually a conversation. Exactly. And, you know, just – Kind of some teams to mention now in, the, in that 11 through 20 range. Oklahoma, they're going to be playing in that Big 12 championship game against Iowa State. That'll be a really good game. They kind of, I mean, you're an Oklahoma fan. You've seen what the, the most frustrating quarterback probably all season is Spencer Rattler. 
whether he makes too many decisions or tries too hard, we don't know yet. Well, but. they already played Iowa State, and he kind of lost them that game by being erratic in Iowa State. They'll keep chugging along. They're incredibly well coached. Matt Campbell's he has earned everything and some more. I wouldn't be surprised to see bigger colleges maybe look at him, maybe NFL start taking a peek at him. What he's done in the last handful of years at that, and Iowa State has been fantastic. He's sent several players to the NFL, David Montgomery, Hakeem Butler, among others. Like, yeah. He's a heck of a coach out there. So I imagine they're going to be keeping some eyes out there. Charlie Kohler, arguably the best tight end in the, in college football, too. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, number 13, BYU, still undefeated somehow. Uh, their quarterback is looking outstanding with that stupid Jordan headband. Mm. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love the Jordan. I love the, I love the swag. I love the, the, the confidence. Uh, but at BYU, of all places, what are, you, what are you trying to do there, bud? Like, Sometimes to get along, you don't have to go along, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's okay. Fair enough. I mean, they, 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 they started talking about this individuality thing at BYU a couple years ago, and I guess we're starting to see the, the repercussions. They're allowing beards on players now. Like, who would have thought? God forbid. I know. Gosh, how terrible. I think I've seen a player with a tattoo now on, on BYU's team. They might actually let players hold hands with their significant others coming up. <sighs> Let's not get crazy now. I don't know if that'll happen. It's 2020. You never know. I mean, I know it's almost over, but there's still time left. Yeah, uh, fair enough. It's All the right. grand finale. It's December. Let's let's see it. Let's go out with a bang. <laughs> and 15 seed, Oklahoma State. The only reason I bring them up, they started off 6-0. and And they're 6-2 and now. Oh, how the mighty have tripped. <laughs> like, where did you go, Oklahoma State? What are you doing? Chubba Hubbard, uh, what are you doing? I, I don't get what, what happened, where the wheels fell off, but here we are, 6-2 and two after starting undefeated. So, who knows? Um, number 18, Coastal Carolina, undefeated. They get game day this weekend, which, surprise, surprise, Coastal Carolina. I forgot they were even F, or, you know, for, mm-hmm. or bowl, bowl Division D1. I thought they were still 1AA. You learn a lot, I guess. I mean, you learn more every time. I completely forgot about them, too. Then, of course, at 20, you got undefeated, 3-0 and undefeated. USC, <laughs> yeah. Washington, 3-0. and Oregon, 3-1 and after choking to Oregon State. Pac-12 is interesting. I don't think they're going to get a chance at the college football playoff, even if USC or Washington goes undefeated. I just I don't think anyone's going to take the Pac-12 seriously this year, unfortunately, especially with how deep the ACC and SEC are. But with those two in the Big, in the Big Ten starting later than everybody – Minus Ohio State, everyone else can get – Ohio State's just going to go in no matter what. Everyone loves Ohio State. But yeah. everyone else is kind of not going to say shafted, but you're you're basically trying to play – you're trying to play pool with six balls instead of eight. Exactly. Yeah, no, you can't start – what was it? November 7th and think you're going to – think you're going to have a great chance at the, the, the football playoffs because, let's be honest, the, these decisions are going to be made in the next three weeks, really. I mean, we have teams finishing up their slate next weekend. And a lot of these teams, like depending on where they were ranked preseason, it, you're gonna have to knock them off too, and you don't really get that chance with half the season. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to sit here until New Year's Day waiting on the Pac-12 to finish their six-game regular season. Like, I, I don't care what you're doing, Pac-12. You're like Army Navy at this point. Play your games on your weekend. I don't care. Let me get to my bowl games. New Year's Day is for bowl games and the Rose Bowl. I will not let them take that away. You will play four games in a row before you take that away. Agreed. Uh, you will play double headers before <laughs> I let that happen. I sub son, Steve Smith, 2015. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at this, I mean, obviously your top four, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. Do you think this is the way this finishes? No. One of them falls off. I don't know who. I don't know which one. I don't know when. I don't know how. I have no idea who takes their spot. But something I think changes because – I th- that Notre Dame SEC, that Notre Dame Clemson ACC potential championship game, I think that's going to happen. I think one of them's going to get knocked off. Even if let's say Notre Dame loses, 
they're not gonna they're not gonna keep them in there with one loss. I don't think. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I can see Ohio State kind of getting shafted out. I know they're there now, and like they talked about it on the ranking show, like they just have too much firepower and all that. But the COVID situation they have going on, the playing half a season basically, like I can see them just getting left off because they haven't played an Texas A&M schedule, a Florida schedule. If Cincinnati goes undefeated, if Iowa State takes the Big Twelve, even though they have two losses. There's, there's too many variables, and unfortunately, I think Alabama's locked in. I know that kind of kills you on the inside, but I don't really see anybody beating them right now in the SEC. I mean, they seem to be ahead and shoulders above everybody. Even without Nick Saban, they're just fine. Yeah. One of Notre Dame or Clemson, one of them's going to get there. I'm going to lean towards Clemson because of Trevor Lawrence plays. I think he beats Notre Dame. Maybe Ohio State still gets in, but I think Ohio State and Notre Dame could be in not in trouble, but I think they're the two more likely ones to not make it. No, that's, and that makes sense, too. I mean, I look at this as well. I think Notre Dame-Clemson, that Miami trifecta, I mean, I think Miami has to play one of them still. I think it's Notre Dame still. Um, I'm not sure exactly if that's how that works out, but they all three have to play each other. Like, they all play each other in the ACC schedule, if I'm not mistaken, this year. And if that's not the case, then I think one of them is in the same division as the other. I don't know how the ACC breaks those down either. I need to pay more attention to the ACC. As you guys can't tell, I'm an SEC homer. I'm sorry. I hate the ACC like a passion. Because Clemson has been such a cakewalk lately, I haven't needed to pay attention to the ACC. And then now they're now they're arguably better than the SEC this year. Yeah, 100%. I, think, I do think you're right. I do think the SEC this year is, in a COVID year, is looking very, very poor. Um, you know, you mentioned Texas A&M and Florida. Texas A&M as a 6-1 and team is not looked good as a 6-1 and team. They've looked pretty poor, really. I mean, for most of the season, um, and they still have a chance to lose a couple games here this the next two weeks. Florida seven and one, they're probably not losing in the East. I honestly was we were gonna get to a little bit. Florida's kind of my sleeper team to take one of those spots from yeah. if one of those top four spots because they have no problem putting two SEC teams in there. Like if Alabama goes undefeated and Florida, let's say, wins the SEC championship game, kind of like Georgia did a few years ago, I easily see Alabama going in as a four seed and then maybe Florida as a third seed or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I think if, if Florida can pull it off, or even if Florida keeps it within like a field goal game, whereas Alabama has shown very clearly they are head and shoulders above everybody else this season, Florida, if they can keep it close or win, win the SEC championship game against them, I think they do sneak in. I do think you, you then look at it as, well, one of these ACT, ACC teams is going to get bumped, and then whether Ohio State can hang on, which, you know, given their schedule, given their conference, I don't really see it being an issue of them holding on. But, yeah, I do think you're right. I do think we could see two SEC teams here. Um, it depends on how Florida can finish out the season and if they can give give Alabama a competitive game. But I think if it's a blowout, though, you see Florida sitting right there on the outside of the top five, basically as that, that border team saying, you shall not pass to everybody else and not letting anybody fall out. Basically, yeah. I mean, their only loss on the season is, too, ironically, A&M by three points in a bit of a shootout. They've cooked basically everybody else a&m's only loss is getting smacked by alabama so that looks they both are really good and right there funny thing is when they did the projections like bowl projections they had the aforementioned iowa state against florida which that's a heck of a game on paper i mean that's a really good matchup too i think this bowl season is gonna be really fun because it's not gonna be the same generic matchups we're used to seeing the same the playoff will be relatively similar with alabama clemson probably ohio state but i think there is some really fun outside the playoff bowl matchups to be had here too Absolutely. You know, and you speaking of fun, fun matchups, I told you guys I wouldn't be able to keep this quiet for much longer. The Iron Bowl happened, and usually, usually in the meeting of Iron Bowl, it is a very entertaining game, no matter how bad it gets. But not so much this year. Oh, boy. Uh, in case anybody missed the final score, 
Um, hang on, I'll, I'll pull it up for you just so so you can you can listen to the cringe in my voice when I say that Alabama, number one Alabama, spanked, spanked, number twenty-two Auburn, forty-two to thirteen. They're not number twenty-two no more. Ah, oh, no, they're not number twenty-two anymore. Uh, look, I know I've known this has been a bad season for Auburn all year. This is COVID year. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. We didn't have much time to prepare, yada, yada, yada. You have a coach that is regarded as one of the top five coaches in, the, in college football. Where's your offense? He's an offensive guru. He's a he's smart, supposedly revolutionary offensive genius. 13 points. They're the Eagles of college football without being the NFC East, I guess. I, I think you might actually have something there. I, I do look at it very similar to the Eagles. You have Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, and, well, Carson Wentz turns it over a lot, but he only turns it over on plays that Doug Peterson calls. And Doug Peterson does him absolutely no favors. Carson Wentz is reckless as it is. I mean, I know this is an NFL unhinged, so we're going to get back onto the other eagle, but at the same time, Bo Nix, he's a little erratic himself, and Gus doesn't do him any favors. Exactly. Gus, I, you know, we've talked about it many times. There is zero route concepts run by Auburn receivers. I've seen Three total route concepts the entire season. And I'm not talking like for a whole game. I mean three plays where there was an actual high-low, underneath, over-top, get-somebody-open route concept. Two of the three have resulted in incomplete passes. (laughs) That's the most Auburn thing you've ever said. (laughs) I don't know what to say about this team. You literally, it's boom or bust. They can either get the ball to Anthony Schwartz or it's bust or they just throw a back shoulder fade to... Seth Williams, which it seems like every route for Seth Williams is a back shoulder fade, even though they're not. Like back shoulder very, slant, back shoulder fade, back shoulder curl. It works. Back shoulder dig. Like mm-hmm. it, literally at this point in time, everything's a back shoulder for Seth Williams. I don't know whether it's Bo Nix's fault or Seth's fault or we know whose fault it is, but let's be honest, it, it's the not way, the players. Maybe that's the way they want it to look. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, you look at this and you're just like, okay, you just lost to your biggest rival, 42-13. to 13. It's been a rough season. You already lost two games. You already lost to Georgia. And to the, was it Texas A&M? Texas A&M, I think. Yeah. So those are, your two, those are your three losses. How does that make you feel, Gus? Does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel happy? Does it make you feel like you're earning your $10 million a year, Gus? Because uh, it doesn't make me feel like you're earning $10 million a year. Because it makes me feel like you're about ready to go. Uh, it might be time. And I might be overreacting. Maybe I'm a little too biased. Maybe I'm too much of a homer for Auburn. I don't know. But this feels ugly. This feels disappointing. There's nothing good about this. They were playing without Nick Saban. How Alabama's playing without? Well, okay, fair enough. And Nick in the Iron Bowl, Nick Saban is kind of a really good Auburn coach. He's better Auburn coach than Gus Miles <laughs> in the Iron Bowl, perhaps. So maybe this, yeah. maybe that was the deciding factor after all. Maybe, maybe that's why. But still, I look. You, this has been a problem all season. This has been a problem since since Bo Nix got there. It's been a problem since they lost Nick Marshall. If you do not have a mobile quarterback, a run first quarterback to set up the read option the RPOs, his offense does not work. If you do not have to remain, keep the keep accountable with the quarterback, the defense does, they will not move the ball. It's over time, time and time and time and time again because there are no route concepts, so you can't get a receiver open off the line. They don't teach press, how to break press coverage. They barely teach pass blocking. It's a lot of slapstick and patty cake over here. Not only getting me, hold, getting me started on holding – as you can see in the NFL, for a former Auburn offensive lineman gets called for holding six times in ten plays. Well, that was a joint effort, but I get where you're going at here. <laughs> Everyone's catching the smoke right now. It's dude, it's it's so bad. Okay, look, I 
I am I, I've I've been trying to keep this one to myself because all I'm, all I'm hearing about is Mac Jones is the Heisman, Mac Jones is the Heisman, Mac Jones is the Heisman. You beat me to my you beat me to my next question. Mac Jones, five touchdowns of that game. Heisman trophy candidate or not? Look, I can look like a Heisman Trophy candidate playing quarterback for that team. I disagree, but okay, I know what you're saying. I, maybe I wouldn't look like one, but my stats would look like it. You might be onto something there. <laughs> okay, Najee Harris. Let's start there. The man is Mike. I've said it earlier this season. I think he is the best college running back from Alabama to ever play for Alabama. Trent Richardson has entered the chat, but then he went into the wrong hole and went in the back door. Yeah, Trent Richardson fumbled going going two yards for the goal line. So. He thought he entered the chat, but it was the wrong chat. Yeah, this isn't the AAFL. Sorry, try, sorry, Trent. Try again. Although I will say, Alabama Trent Richardson. Oh boy, good yeah. luck everybody else. And you know, I'm making a bold statement with that. I'm talking Trent Richardson. I'm talking Derrick Henry. I'm talking Mark Ingram. Just, just just to name the most recent three. We agree on Mark Ingram and and even Sean Alexander. Sean Alexander in, in college, one of the best Alabama running backs as well. But no, this man right here, Najee Harris. If you look at what he can do, he can run like a 4-3-40. He can jump 60 goddamn inches out of the <laughs> ground. The dude will jump over somebody, run them over, and then spin off and bl- break away for a tackle if he gets the opportunity. Like, if you want to see some stunts, just watch this man run the ball against a, against a, a bunch of future pros. Because, really, that's what he's been doing all season against the SEC. Because it's an all-SEC schedule this year. He has been running over, breaking tackles, looking like a man-possessed. Time and time again. And I'm not even talking about the four first-round all-pro all receivers he has playing for him. I mean, you talk about Billingsley coming on. You talk about Waddle. You talk about Michi. You talk about – you know, Waddle was injured. But you talk about Devontae Smith, who has had, had a career game. They're just walking away from people. Literally, like there was just they were just walking wide open. I can hit a 40-yard pass if I could just – have no safety over the top. Just let me throw it as long as I can pos- as possible, and Michi will run run underneath it. Yeah, you'll still underthrow him a little bit, but it's you get the point. It's <laughs> very simple. Mac Jones underthrew him. I mean, I look just like Mac Jones in the game. I just, maybe not look, but my stats would look just like Mac Jones in the game. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to hear this. Mac Jones is a is a Heisman. He is AJ McCarron two point minus the hot girlfriend. But we don't know that. But well, look, she, we haven't had. Uh, any we need CBS. Brett Musburger to come find out. Yeah, we haven't had Musburger focused on her her during the you know Iron Bowl saying, hmm, wow, she's really pretty yet. So we haven't had that yet. So you're clearly not on the Mac Jones Heisman train. <laughs> Who do, who's a sleeper you have for the Heisman? Oh, for the Heisman this year? I, up until Oklahoma State's wheels fell off, it was Chubba Hubbard. Um, Chubba Hubbard. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Uh, but really, you look at this this game – there's a the guy out of Indiana, Phoenix Jr. He is a sleeper for me. Don't get me wrong. Indiana, yeah, they lost one game to Ohio State, but Indiana lost has only lost one game to Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> so let's not get it twisted here, guys. They are good. They are legit, and he is able to run this offense. And he's a lefty, so it's really cool watching him throw. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's kind of my sleeper right now. I, it's hard because this year in the COVID year, it's hard to give a guy a Heisman. Because we've only seen some conferences play four games. So I don't really know yet. I mean, who knows? Justin Fields might be a sleeper. Well, he hasn't looked too great in those four <laughs> games, but I know where you're going. But no, I, I do think it's Penix Jr. That's my that's my pick for for, uh, for my sleeper Heisman this year. But yeah, uh, football this year, man. I'm ready for it to be over. I will say before we move on, 
my sleeper pick's not as much of a sleeper pick anymore, but I think Kyle Trask for Florida could make a strong run at it. But they did. I saw a thing during the Kentucky game. They were comparing stats to Joe Burrow's last year. He's ahead of him in a lot of categories. Like obviously, Joe Burrow had the epic second half of the season run, where it's like, oh yeah, you just killed it. Just like seventeen top ten teams. Never mind. So I'm not putting him in that category. But if Florida could make that run, like we kind of talked about earlier. I see no reason why they can't give it to Kyle Trask. I mean, Trevor Lawrence probably isn't taking it this year, just the way things have gone. Yeah, Mac Jones, like you said, I mean, we'll see if any what the Kool Aid tastes like for everybody else. Who else is really sticking out? Chubba Hubba's been solid, but yeah, no, that's. I mean, really, it's not a very Ian Book. I doubt it, but like, yeah, I guess Ian Book has been been looking good. Derek King, you can make a case for. Justin Fields, obviously, you can make a case for, even though it's f- four games. But. Uh, the quarterback out of BYU. Um, he's, he's a front runner, but it's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's it really. I mean, it doesn't have, because we haven't, obviously. Had, <laughs> yeah, we haven't had quite the same, it's not a normal season, so we don't have a normal Heisman run, honestly, but yeah. I think it's just whoever ends up playing the most games and plays the most good games, honestly. Yeah. And you might have, I, maybe Mac Jones does win the Heisman this year and I ended up eating my words, but well, he might still win it, but that doesn't mean he was, Mark Ingram wasn't the best player that year and he got it. So, I mean, if if we just all accepted what Mac Jones is, we'd all be happy. We love game managers on this on this show. Even though you just trashed him for 48 minutes, basically. 100% I trashed him because somebody is telling me that he is not a game manager, that he is something special. No, he's not. He is a game manager. He is no better than A.J. McCarron, than Dwayne Haskins, any of them. He is a game manager. He is not going to win you games. He will not lose you games. I think he'll be better in the pros than AJ McCarron. I think he has. I think he has more natural tools. I think he'll be a better version of an AJ McCarron. He'll you'll be able to. You could build a winning team around him in the NFL if you surround him with winning talent. Obviously, he's Rex Grossman to me. By the way, a Heisman Trophy finalist at his time in Florida. So maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe 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 calling him Rex Grossman isn't the worst thing. Could be worse. I mean, you've called people much worse things. So. But we're going to go from the gridiron to the hardwood. But first, Kelsey, you got a little something to say about one of our sponsors. Yeah, you know, as, as everybody knows, we've recently partnered with Fanatics.com. If you don't know by now, which I really hope you've been paying attention, Fanatics.com is your team retailer. NBA.com, NBAShop.com, NFLShop.com, you name it. They have a shop for it. Any sport, any team, any player, any jersey. Trust me, you can find it there. Anything whatsoever, sports-related, NASCAR, wrestling, it's all there. Link is in our bio in case you haven't been paying attention. It is there. It not only helps us, it helps the entire Unhinged Sports Network. Um, it's really, really honestly a great time to, to go shopping in case you haven't bought your family member any gift gifts for the for Christmas. I know I haven't. I know I'm going to be shopping there soon. To be fair, you normally don't buy your gifts to like December 18th anyway. Normally, I just don't buy gifts and then just be like, yeah, they're in the mail. Sorry. But, you know, until then, uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, check out our bio. Link is there or unhingedsn.com. You'll see a big banner. It just says fanatics.com apparel shopping. Click on that. Like I said, helps out us, help out the network. If you want to support us, that's the way to do it. And now to college basketball, where we just got the season tipped off again recently and it wasted absolutely no time getting interesting. We had four top 10 teams lose in just the last handful of days. It's been crazy, man. Uh, yeah, you know, you mentioned some of the losers. Kansas, not only did they lose, they lost to Gonzaga, the number one team, who then went on to beat Auburn. But <clears throat> There's no shame in losing to the number one ranked team, at least. Though. Not at all, yeah. No, if you're, if you're Kansas, you can hang your hat on that one. Uh, on the other hand, though, Villanova lost to an unranked team. 
Virginia Tech by 12, too, 81 to 73, when you're ranked number three, too. It's not yeah. like 15 Villanova that makes a late run. This is gangster Villanova that got, that they didn't have it. Exactly. And now that got Virginia Tech ranked this week. Uh, but Virginia Tech's state partner, Virginia, also managed to lose to Richmond. 61 to 60, so it was at least a close one. But number four, Richmond, not sorry, number four, Virginia. Well, Richmond might be number four districts. They also beat Kentucky, ranked number 10 at the time, 76 to 64. Maybe Richmond's really this good, and maybe it's not so bad losing. Maybe it was just bad preseason rankings with these top 10s. Look, you know, this COVID year, anything is possible. Anything is possible. And, you know, just to give you an idea of where the rankings are now, we already have obviously Gonzaga, 57 total votes for number one, only six shy of being unanimous. Who. Okay, who's surprised? I'm surprised there's six that are voting against them, honestly. But yeah, And those six votes, they went to Baylor at number two, which Baylor, uh, thank you for Baylor for coming back from the depths of Hades to start showing up in basketball again because you're useless in every other sport. Baylor is really, really good this year, but I still don't see how they got six first-place votes. Like, they deserve to be in that top three or four range, but really number two and with first, uh, okay, to each their own, but I disagree. Yeah, no, personally, I, I wouldn't have voted, put those six votes there. I mean, I might talk about this number three team getting some votes with their all, or their all, what, all-American center or power forward, whatever you want to call him, out here getting buckets. And we're talking Iowa, about Iowa three. Hawkeyes. So, Luca Garza, as you mentioned, averaging more than 33 points a game on 86% field goal shooting. I know it's only a couple of games, but he was doing this last year, too. He's a He was the wooden finalist, like, the preseason finals. He's the one leading that. Last year, he was a first-team All-American, and they were favorites to arguably win the Big Ten tournament before COVID kind of jumped in and ruined that. They were already there, ready for the Big Ten tournament when it got canceled. They were, I think they were projected to be like a third seed or something last year as it was. And they returned everybody, including, as the aforementioned Garza, who we're going to talk about a lot, because he is a monster. He is absolutely a monster. His last game, I think he had 10 total rebounds. Seven were offensive, which means if you miss your buckets, he's got you. Good luck. He's he's an absolute force in the paint. He's not missing anything. I mean, 86% field goal, even as a center, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, there's centers in the NBA that that can barely shoot 56% from the field. And they're shooting within a three-foot circle. There are guards that don't shoot 86% from the free-throw line. There is the <laughs> second-greatest player of all time that doesn't that shoots 68% from the free-throw line. Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. It, it, look, what he's doing, what he has the chance to do this season is going to be fun to watch. And possibly the game of the year. They get to take on number one Gonzaga next week. I believe it is a... I'm not as sure, but I believe it's at, in Iowa City, so it'll be a road game for the top-ranked team. If I'm, Actually, if I'm not mistaken, it's a neutral side. It, it's something along those lines. I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head. But So you have Luca Garza, we just mentioned, and Gonzaga's forward, Drew, I believe it's Timmy. Mm-hmm. 26.5 points per game himself. They play Kansas. He just casually drops 25 on Kansas. They both have victories over Auburn. Sorry, not, sorry to trash the Eagles today, the War Eagles. but No, it's fine. Yeah, look, look, I know where Auburn stands, and... In, in sports and it's 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 somewhere between really really good and well okay anyway we're so, here so we're gonna have those two arguable leaders for the wooden award with tim tim and garza going head to head six ten versus about seven foot they're gonna battle out in a pretty old school type of college basketball scenario i'm really looking forward to that one and i will get to play unc before that too so the, i think unc's ranked like 20 or something like that like they're pretty decently ranked they're not they're not great by any means, but it's it's still a UNC, so. Yeah, sorry, I mean, 14. UNC is UNC. Yeah, 14, so sorry. I got yeah. You. So that's a heck of a game. If Iowa pulls by there and they're both undefeated, this is like Duke, North Carolina back in the day, basically. The only difference is they're not conference rivals, but the magnitude of the two 
probably the two best teams. I've taken Baylor out of this. I know, like, Baylor's obviously in that conversation, but I'm looking forward to this one. I don't know about you, but this college basketball regular season always, doesn't always get me hyped up because there's so many games and just you can lose three and does not really affect you later on. Seeding is not really a big deal in the tournament necessarily. It's just get in and work your magic. Yeah, get hot late and get in. Looking at you, George Mason, you just got to get in and you're good from there. <laughs> so I can't wait for this one personally. This is the regular season college basketball. I think we all like to see. We wish we got more games like this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whatever – I look, if you may have complaints about some of the whack uh, scheduling before, but what Gonzaga is doing this season, they will have played two top five teams by the end of December. Easily, I mean, and and that's the you know that this is, we're we're looking forward to this Iowa game, and we're talking these are two award wooden award finalists that are well, let's just say they are gonna go at each other. We might see this matchup for years in the future in the NBA. It's very possible, yeah. I mean, because th- I think Timmy's a sophomore and Garz, I believe, is a sophomore or junior. I can't remember which. I one. think he's a junior now. He might be okay, but they're both really experienced teams too. Like they don't have a lot of one and dones because they're not really those type of programs like Kansas, Kentucky, Duke that cycle in five star prospects. Yeah. Neither one of them is probably gonna be talked about for a first overall pick in the draft come NBA seat, NBA draft time. But I, I feel like if someone snags either one of these guys, they're gonna be two solid, solid contributors for years to come. Oh, and definitely. we get to see them go head to head after. Basically having their last season canceled on them, too, so you know they're hungry. They're coming out with a vengeance this year. Gonzaga thought they were going to the Natty last year. Iowa thought they were going to all the way last year. Yeah, it's it's. It, I mean, it's going to be fun to see. It's going to be fun to see the competitiveness between the two. To actually see a competitive game in basketball that wasn't that's not in a bubble. This is this is what this is. This is this is what's going to happen. Is this going to be a competitive game not in a bubble? Well, it's technically still a bubble, but still. We're actually going to see a competitive game between two future hopeful NBA stars. And two potential March Madness. Final Four teams. Yeah, easy. I mean, heck, they might, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a foreshadowing thing. Eh, it won't be because something always happens. It's March Madness <laughs> for a reason, but. It is mad. <laughs> and there's a reason there wasn't one in 2020 because the world would not be able to handle it. Yeah, no, we don't. I don't think 2020 was ready for March Madness last year. Uh, but continuing with the rankings, number four, Wisconsin. Really not a whole lot to say about them. They just keep trucking along like they are. They're always efficient. They always make it happen. I don't think this is like their near national champion team with Frank Kaminsky and squad, but they're still, they'll still be fine. They'll be, they'll be a top five seed once, and once the seeding comes around. Yeah, and then a number five, a return to the top five for this team that I haven't seen in, in a couple years, Illinois. Illinois back in the top five. Champagne is is being busted in Champagne, if you will. Oh, you've been, you've been waiting for that I one. I have been 100% waiting for that You're one. You're going to crack over the Champagne and celebrate that that one, aren't you? Hey, if they make the if they, if they they make it to the, the dance, you already know Champagne will be popped in Champagne after the last couple of seasons they've had. Oh, they'll just pop it for fun at this point, just so they can say it. That's true. If they, I mean, if they're still in the top five come New Year's Day, they will pop some, some Champagne. Um, number six, Duke. Uh, still Coach K. Still got his team rolling. Just lost to Michigan State, but, I mean, Michigan State is still ranked, like, number eight. So, I mean, there's no yeah. shame in losing to Michigan State. And 75-69, those two always play so close. They're always fun matchups. I mean, Izzo and Coach K, two of maybe not the best, probably two of the best, top three, top four, however you want to look, rank them. College basketball is usually a game of coaching and doesn't get a whole lot better than those two. No, exactly. And then in between those two, uh, you mentioned Michigan State at eight. Number seven, well, it just so happens to be Kansas after losing to Gonzaga. Didn't fall too far. Uh, but no shame in that game. Yeah, they dropped one spot from six to seven. But you know, look, you lost to Gonzaga. I'm sorry. You're still going to be fine. I think most teams, I, with their f- at least 57 people, think that Gonzaga will beat everybody on this. <laughs> exactly. Um, number nine, Creighton. 
Number 10, Houston, both getting into the top 10 after last week being in the top 11 through 20. Um, West Virginia, 3-0, sitting at 11. Villanova, they fell from 3-12. to So that just tells you how much they weigh that loss. Um, that, that was pretty painful, actually, for Nova, considering all the quality work they've been doing lately. I think because they lost to Virginia Tech. It wasn't like Kansas losing to Gonzaga. They didn't lose to another powerhouse state team. They lost to a Virginia Tech team that we still don't know if they're any good. I mean, they might be. I mean, they're ranked, what, 16 now? They're also 3-0, and so maybe they are something. Maybe this ends up helping. Maybe Villanova gets some credit for later on, but yeah. right now it doesn't look too good. No, exactly. And then this is the weird one for me. I don't know how they're still ranked, how they can be ranked. They haven't played a game. I think they might have just played one tonight. Um, didn't check the score, to be, to be completely honest. But number Tennessee, number 13 number te- is Tennessee. The, you know, volunteers sitting at 0-0. Zero and zero. Yeah, What? It's really weird. I guess they're just not being repro- – I guess there's no punishment for not playing. You can't. You can't drop spots if you don't lose, I guess. I don't know how that works. Yeah, yes, I don't know. Are they taking the Ravens or the Titans approach where you just kind of don't play so you can't lose for a little bit? I guess that. Hey, whatever works for these Tennessee guys. I don't know mm. how. They, they keep playing the COVID thing to their advantage, so maybe this works for, for the Volunteers. I don't know. Music uh, City Miracle. I don't know how this works, though. <laughs> uh, number 14, North Carolina. Yeah, there's still North Carolina. We talked about you know coming, coming up, um, playing against uh, Iowa coming soon. Uh, that'll be an interesting game. Number 15, Virginia. Again, they were four last week, 15 today. Can't lose to Richmond, I guess. Yeah. Just, although, like we mentioned, Richmond is 2-0 and with two top 10 wins, I mean. Yeah, not not to be slept on. Uh, number 16, Virginia Tech. After we, we just talked about that big win um, over Nova. You can't. You, you, you do something like that, you're 3-0, and you're going to be ranked after that. Uh, Texas, number 17 after last week being 19. Texas Tech dropping down to 17 after losing one. Um, they were 14th week before. Oh, no. How terrible. Texas Tech. Uh, by the way, in case you guys haven't been paying attention, uh, Mac McClung playing for Texas Tech. Absolutely breaking people's ankles night in and night out. So they can lose a couple games. It's fine. They'll be okay. Mac McClung will take them to the promised land. Basically, Texas Tech is just kind of riding along the same thing they did a couple years ago. Just get one superstar and let him just drag us. Just don't get in his way. Exactly. Uh, and number 19, Richmond. We already mentioned him. 2-0. Now ranked. This might be a sleeper team for the future. This might be this season's George Mason. This might be, if you remember the old uh, what Butler Bear or Butler Bulldogs teams with Gordon Hayward. This might be this this type of, uh, of team this year. They might have peaked a little bit too early to be going for that, but I know what you're going for. Like they're they're not to be slept on. No, exactly. And then rounding out top twenty, I'm not going to twenty five because who cares about twenty one through twenty five? Uh, Kentucky is at twenty. Yeah. They'll I be, mean, they'll be fine. They got 10 five-star recruits. They'll get rolling. They'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. You're you're playing four first-year players and off off of no preseason. You'll be you'll be a-okay, guys. A-okay. I'm sure they'll bounce back just fine. It's just, I'm just excited to have college basketball again after I was cut short last year. So, just knock on wood that 2021 doesn't have any secret surprises up for us. Speaking of secret surprises, what do you think? Do we think we'll get to March Madness this year? Oh, 100%. Uh, they will after everything. They will bubble March Madness if, they, if there's still a problem. They will find a way. That is way too much money to lose twice. See, that's that's you know that's one thing that they I've been reading in these conspiracy theories for for COVID playing for basketball. Uh, there, I, I was reading one that they have talks of once it gets into conference play about taking the conferences, splitting them up half and half, and making two bubbles, too many bubbles for each conference around the nation to play their conference games in a bubble. I mean, these are called these are college 
student athletes we're talking about. Do you so think this is something not working? I mean, like, I, that's a little reckless. I mean, it, what you've already done with college football, you might as well just continue with college basketball. I mean, there's a lot more chance to get it with college football. You have a lot more players, a lot more staff. Basketball has 15 players per team, 20 players per team, it's eight coaches, maybe something along those lines. Yeah. College football, you have eight quarterbacks on some damn teams. You have eighteen. <laughs> you have eighteen receivers on some some teams. If it's a it's a Mike Leach coast team. You got twenty five receivers and six quarterbacks. No running backs, but yeah, that's true. I mean, you do have a good point. Uh, there are much less much less players, much less staff. Maybe you might be looking at a cap of twenty five traveling for college basketball, whereas uh, pretty much the starting offense and defense is twenty five on a team, not including coaches for football. So yeah, it's much much safer for basketball. Oh, I, I say that, but well, Lou Williams. <sighs> Lemon pepper Lou. <laughs> but uh, moving on the other side of the basketball hardwood to the women's game, South Carolina continues to dominate. I don't know if anybody saw the score of South Carolina's victory on day one. They held their opponent to under 10 points while scoring 109, 107. They went triple digits while holding an opponent to single digits. That is the simplest one-sentence one way to summarize it besides, oh, my God. Look, I haven't seen it beat down that bad since watching LaFleur High School play a single 1A team with a bunch of dudes that I think never played basketball before. Like, I haven't seen a beatdown like this since the last time you disagreed with me. I mean, this is absolutely... Ooh, whoa, Ooh. Oh, <laughs> time out. Pump the brakes there, Captain. Anyways, finish your, finish your point. I'm gonna, we'll get to that one in a second. Anyway, so I agree with you. South Carolina is an absolute force. I think this is just the beginning of the iceberg, though. I think they're going to be doing this all season to teams that aren't prepared for them. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. Don Staley has something impressive going down there in South Carolina. Uh, it started a couple years back. I can't think of her name. It was the point guard. Small little number 55. I can't think of her name. She's in the league. She's in WNBA today. Um, followed by Aja Wilson, who, outstanding ball, ball player, just won MVP. Um, she's got something rolling. This might be our, our new look, Kentucky, Connecticut. And I say that knowing full well, Connecticut – with Gino Oriama is still sitting there. Oh, by the way, at number three. They're never far out of it. I mean, they South Carolina might be building a culture that could emulate similar. They're kind of like what Tennessee did with Pat Summit in the day. Like, there's, I think they're building something there too, and I think they'll be a force to reckon with. I, I look forward to seeing those two collide for a while because you know Gino and that and UConn's going to be a force for a long time until Gino says, "No, nah, I'm good." Absolutely, and you know, just to, just so everybody knows, number two Stanford, number four is Mississippi State, and number five Baylor. Uh, all kind of the usual suspects, female basketball, women's basketball, all outstanding programs, all building towards something greater than, well, anything we have. <laughs> Speaking of things greater than we have, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about a great moment in college football. And for once, it involves Vanderbilt. Like, who would ever thought great college football and Vanderbilt would be in the same sentence, especially after Jay Cutler? I've never once wanted to tune into a Vanderbilt game until this weekend. Well, that's not true. What about when they played Auburn ever? I stand by exactly <laughs> what I said. I have never once wanted to tune into a Vanderbilt game except for this weekend. If you guys missed it this last weekend, the reason why we're talking about Vanderbilt, Sarah Fuller just coming off playing her season as a goalkeeper for the Vanderbilt soccer team, stepped into a role that not very many, many women have ever played. She stepped in as the first D1 college football athlete to be female as a kicker. Unfortunately... She did not get a chance to kick a field goal. However, she did have one kickoff. Got The ball was pinned at the 35-yard line. No return. You couldn't ask for anything better for your first attempt as a, as a kicker, whether it's high school, college, anything. Any first attempt as a kicker at that level 
is better. It went better than expected. She didn't shank it. It was in play. It didn't go out for a penalty. There was no return for a touchdown. It resulted in a punt. The, the possession did. So it worked out pretty well. Anyone who's played Madden knows that type of kick is the most frustrating thing because it doesn't give you a chance to return it deep, and you can't really get past the 35 maybe. I mean, you're catching it like, what, the 27, something in that area. It's it's not a very deep kick, and you're, it's decent field position afterwards, but it eliminates any chance for a big return. Exactly. And she, she kicked it with somebody holding it too, which, I mean, if anybody knows anything about kicking – your holder, your holder takes immediately five to ten yards off a kick. That's why we don't see sixty-eight yard, seventy-yard field goals because, well, they're not kicking off a tee; they're kicking off a holder. So. Exactly, and you're kicking off the ground; it's not elevated, too. So exactly, and this is a huge story for many, many things. Um, but you know, you sit here and look at this; it's outstanding for the game, for the culture, for everything we're trying to move towards in in, in sports today. Uh, it just continues the great storyline from twenty twenty for female empowerment through sports and one thing i do want to mention is when you go on twitter any social media everyone's like oh what if she gets hit what if she has to make a tackle i'll remind you minus jk scott 90 percent of the nfl kickers and punters are pretty small humans like she's like six foot two she is not oh she's I, yeah she's a she is an athlete i don't want her tackling me like <laughs> as much as as awesome a kicker he is rodrigo blankenship's not really inspiring fear if he has to make a tackle like <laughs> if anyone on the anyone supporting the Colts sees him one-on-one with antonio brown like oh please cover your face don't get kicked in the face. Yeah. I would, I'd probably trust her to make a tackle more than him. As oh. much as everyone loves Rodrigo Blankenship, respect the specs, but he's not one I want making a tackle either. So you don't get kickers to tackle people. If you were getting her to play free safety, you might have a case. But at the same point, I don't want her hitting me as a free safety either. Exactly. Yeah, no. And she honestly takes more hits playing goalkeeper for a top-tier Division One soccer team than she would ever take as a kicker, unless you should decide she wants to go beat the crap out of somebody <laughs> returning the ball. Like, let's be honest, kickers are the second most protected position in the game. Besides Tom Brady. Besides, yeah, Tom Brady and the quarterbacks. Eh, not all quarterbacks. But uh, most quarterbacks. As long as you don't run the ball as a quarterback, you're very protected. Eh, there's some quarterbacks that still get shafted in the pocket. Okay, we're not but... talking about Andrew Luck anymore. <laughs> I wasn't even talking about him necessarily, but okay, we're not going to go off on that tangent. But I was mostly referring to Tom Brady and those who, when they get touched in the pocket, they immediately touch their face or something. No, absolutely. But to get back to this story for for Sarah Fuller, congratulations. Uh, We all, we here at the High Low Sports Podcast, we do want to send our congratulations out to you. And honestly, we hope you get in field goal range this year, this this weekend coming up. I want to see her kick a field goal. Speaking of which, you have a little bit more talk about Sarah Fuller coming up. You have planned, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Sarah Fuller, Don Staley, Pat Summit, U.S. Women's National Team, they are all talked about. On our YouTube exclusive coming out this week, um, I'm not sure if it'll be tomorrow or Thursday or Friday or it'll be this week. I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get it edited and out this week. Stay tuned is what we, that can be shortened <laughs> down to. Absolutely, but yeah, I'm, I'm talking all sort all sorts of this woman empowerment stories we've heard in 2020 from Kimming to uh, Don Staley to Sarah Fuller now, and uh, you know you did mention free safety, and I'd be remiss if I don't mention this. Sarah Fuller wasn't the first woman to play in college football. By the way, there is a free safety playing D2. She's killing people as a, <laughs> as a free safety. She is five foot ten. She absolutely destroys people. So, you know, I, I talk about her in, 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 in the story as well. So I have to just throw that in there because you did mention a free safety. So I have to have to include her. Just, just call me Drew Brees. I just throw him right to you. <laughs> just land right in the bread basket. Absolutely. But to finish off our night, our episode, we have one last thing to talk about. The shot heard around the world. Well, wow, we're going to end the night like this, huh? <laughs> we're going to end the night Talking quicker, about good night. quicker than Jake Paul and Nate Robinson. There was a lot of good fights on this undercard, but nobody cares about those right now, unfortunately. <laughs> no. So we'll just get to this one and get it out of the way. 
shout out to Nate Robbins for getting in there. What the heck were you thinking getting in there? Yeah. <laughs> you said you trained for it for a couple of months. Who was your trainer? Like, my lord, Nate Robinson, like, this is not this is not an NBA fight where you're held back by 30 refs and 30 teammates and you just kind of yell at each other. You charged at him wearing basketball shoes with your chin in the air and your hands down, leading with your entire upper body. The first rule of boxing, bring your feet with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, first one's hands up. Second one's chin down. Third one's bring your feet with you when you punch. <laughs> like, I was fortunate enough to be able to train boxing and other mixed martial arts for a few years. First rule is don't lose your feet because do I need to just go on Twitter and type in <laughs> N-A and it will be the first thing that pops up. You sprinted into a fist multiple times and fell on your head three times, I think it was. Give credit to Jake Paul as much as that's weird to say, giving credit to a YouTube sensation boxing. That's yeah. a weird way. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's 2020. He put in the work clearly. I mean, he has, he has boxed people that don't box, but... He's not a boxer either, regardless of what he says. So yeah, two mean, non-boxers, and he was the cleaner boxer. I mean, you show that he threw he threw tighter punches, kind of. I mean, yeah, when I mean, you sprint, when they sprint into your fist, it's a lot easier. But he didn't sprint into a fist, so good for him. He brought his feet with him. He threw the three shots that Nate ran into. Ugly, and it was terrible to watch, but kudos to him and Nate Robinson. Man, like, shout out to you for getting in that ring in front of millions of people. Like, there's nothing, nothing negative to say about that, but... Your trainer did you dirty, man. Like, you, he should not let you get in there if that's how it was coming. Look, your, your trainer did you dirty, but your charity loves you. I'll say that, Nate Robinson. Um, but, yeah, no, you're exactly right. It looked like Jake Paul was doing a beginner course for boxing out there with just simple one-twos, a one-two-three, occasionally thrown in there. And overhand, overhand, left. Yeah, I mean, it was very simple stuff from, from Jake Paul, but the dude has been, has been quote-unquote, training for over two and a half years to be a boxer. It must be, be a, nice to have millions in the bank and just making millions from being alive. Yeah, I mean, so, Nate, look, okay, you opened your mouth and you stepped in the ring unlike very – all of your peers in the NBA would do. Yeah, uh, none of Evan your Turner, NBA. Evan Turner, I'm looking at you right now. A lot of you guys, I, we've seen the NBA fights. I don't think much of you <laughs> could really be talking either, especially when you're fighting someone like that. Jake and Nate are similar size. Like, of course, some of the six foot seven guys in the NBA are like, oh, I could take him. Not if that, not if Jake was six foot seven. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. I've seen, from what I've seen with NBA fights since like nineteen ninety five, since the malice at the palace, I'm basically, did you yeah. run our test. Okay, that's that's Ron <laughs> test might mess around and accidentally elbow him trying to throw a punch. Like that's that's a different level of violence. But most NBA players, I they really shouldn't be giving Nate trash like this. I mean, no. I don't see most of them. I can't see any of them really even throwing a punch. Besides being like, eh, eh, oh, I broke my thumb. Yeah, that was uh, honestly that was ugly. Um, that, my favorite tweet from the entire night, though, I have to give it out to Steph Curry. He he drains it again. Yeah, he he look the guy the guy making shots on on and off the court. First thing he was like, "Oh Nate, please be okay." Followed by Nate retweeting Nate's earlier comment of, "I'm gonna shock the world tonight." Well, I see no lies here. <laughs> okay, Steph. Okay, Steph. We see you. Look, we all know you're not gonna step in the ring with that man because you're smarter than that. But gosh, dude, like. I feel bad for Nate. Nate Nate's a lovable guy. He's a lo- he's probably one of the few lovable athletes we we've all had in our generation and he he'll bounce back from this. He'll be okay. Like he's taken in stride, it sounds like like it just I just hate that he's getting ragged on from people that were supposed to be supporting him the way they the way they are too, because none of them bothered to step up. I mean, we're none of them said anything. None of them are trying to fight somebody their size in front of millions. I mean Yeah. No, it's look, I give him credit. He he backed up, he it may not have been worked out in his favor, but you know what? He did it. He walked in there, he it wasn't pretty and i really wish his would have trainer would have helped him out a little bit or if 
they actually had a trainer. <laughs> Maybe the nerves got to me. Forgot all of his training. I don't know, but you, the yeah. first rule is you don't stick your face into someone's fist. It looked like he was excited to come out there. Maybe that's what the, the adrenaline kind of just rushed through him. And then probably the first time he got punched, he didn't do what you're supposed to do, which is calm down. He got pissed off, and then there went out the window all the things he was thinking about. And honestly, if he got pissed off and that's the result of him getting pissed off, please, Nate Robinson, don't get in the ring anymore. Ne- never get pissed off and fight again. <laughs> if someone makes you mad, have somebody else do the fighting. If you're calm, cool, and collected, then go ahead and fight. But I, Yeah. That was that was rough, but... Anyway, that was the co-main event. The main event featured actual boxers in a well, non-actual boxing match, weirdly enough, because it was an exhibition. Yeah. Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, the senior citizen bowl. I mean, I wasn't too disappointed, honestly. Mike Tyson looked pretty good. He still punches and destroys wind with each punch. <laughs> yeah. And Roy Jones, we knew he wasn't going to be the same because his entire game was built on speed, reflexes, and unorthodox boxing. And he's you can't be as swift and unorthodox and as clean as you were in your 20s and 30s at 51 years old. Yeah. But he looks pretty decent. I mean, he evaded a lot of good shots. He tied up with Tyson. He didn't take too many big, giant shots. Like, he took quite a few body shots, but he was never in real danger. I mean, I know they weren't supposed to be throwing. They couldn't, quote-unquote, knock each other out. They were, there was a few times, like, I'm going to knock you out. They were, <laughs> they, were, they were looking. If there was something there, they were going to land something big. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're talking about Roy Jones, who who retired, what, like three years ago at this point is what it feels like? 2018, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, the dude, it, we, we, if you watch any of Roy Jones' last couple fights anyways when he was actually boxing, you saw a lot of that same stuff here. It's it's a lot of tap, tap, tie up, tap, tap, tie up, dodge, don't get killed, tie up. And, you know, that's what to be expected with Roy Jones. That's just kind of how he was at the end of his career. It's not the can't be moved, can't be touched, can't be stopped guy. Exactly. It's not the y'all must have forgot guy. It's the, oh, I kind of wish I forgot guy, unfortunately. Yeah. Guys, I'm just here to, to make this money and go home and send, and send some to charity. And, Honestly, and, it just gives me life. I'm just doing this. I like it. And I'm really not getting too much damage, really. I mean, there's a couple yeah. knockouts here and there, unfortunately, that aren't pretty. But it's not like a string of 14 knockouts or anything devastating. Exactly. So, And, and Tyson, I mean, gosh, give the guy credit. Last year looked like a bowling ball. This year looked like actually a retired athlete like he looked I, like a better athlete than tyson fury honestly yeah i mean tyson tyson looked good i mean again yeah it's an exhibition so you can take this with a grain of salt but he looked good for i mean he's dude's what mid 50s almost 60 now 54 yeah he's, yeah so like we're talking well twice my age yeah. <laughs> and he's out here doing that and i'm like oh yeah let me get this, let me get some more chips while i watch tyson keep missing okay this is great yeah, I can't really make fun of the guy. He He's out there doing it. So I will say, too, they said it was a draw, the quote-unquote unofficial scoring because there's no actual scoring. Draw. Tyson won that fight. He doubled up on Roy Jones. He landed the bigger shot to control the ring. I don't want him necessarily getting back into boxing, but I don't mind seeing some of the matches like this because, like he said, it wasn't about winning or losing. It's just training for boxing and the life of boxing gave him life. It's what he's done his whole life. So this reinvigorated him, losing all that weight, getting to focus on it like, he makes so much money away from it just being Mike Tyson. That in itself is a nice enterprise of change. Yeah. So good for both of them. I got nothing to say. I did I maybe they shouldn't fight on pay-per-view too many more times, honestly. Like <laughs> yeah. No, this is it. Did call it call it twelve here, guys. Like I didn't hate it though. I it was kind of fun to see. I mean, if you knew what you were getting into. Yeah, exactly. When your co-main event is a YouTuber versus a guy from the NBA dunk champion who is under six feet tall. You kind of knew what you're coming. Some of those undercards, there were some really good boxers on the undercard. It's a shame that they're not really talked about too much often, even by us right now. But yeah, I mean, like it is, it is what it is. We all knew what we, what we were tuning in for that night. It was not for the undercard, unfortunately. Um, but DJ, any final words? 
Not a whole lot. Just we didn't talk much about the NFL today because you'll hear more about that on the NFL Unhinged podcast coming up later this week. We'll be speaking with some of the other networks as well. And that would recapping last week in NFL and what we can see going forward. Exactly. If you guys miss it, uh, I, I recovered from my terrible week of picks last week and well, let's just hope it continues going forward. Uh, NFL Unhinged, tune, tune in every Sunday, 10 a.m. Central Time, right before the games start. It's when we air. Um, and then also every Thursday, same as normal, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, when we go live. Be sure to tune in, guys. Until next time, see ya. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. It's not just the thought that counts, it's your thought. Because no matter how much time you spend picking out the perfect gift, the only thing they'll really care about is that it's from you. Here's to experiences they'll continue to cherish. Season after season, make this December one to remember. Together, click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.